Genesis 13, as we are working our way through Genesis and dealing with the highlights, is the original theme, the highlights of the book of Genesis. Um, we found a few more highlights than we originally thought, but here we are. And if you did come in a little late, uh, keep in mind Friday night at 7 here, we will have uh, Holy Communion and Good Friday service. Saturday morning here at the Fieldhouse at 11, we'll have cleanup time. You can come and stay as long as you want or as short as you want. And then um, Sunday morning, of course, Easter Sunday, good time to invite family and friends. All right, Genesis chapter 13, we have, we looked the last time, and I appreciate Bud filling in for me um, last Sunday, and, uh, but the, the message previous to that was chapter 12, where Abraham had uh, been called by God to go down to the land of Canaan, the land of promise, and that God would give him this land and so in faith he went down not knowing exactly where he was going but took his family and his wife and his nephew Lot and they went down and then there was a famine you might remember this from that message and he had a lapse of faith and so he went down into Egypt and there he lied about his wife Sarah and he said uh, Sarah you need to tell them that you're my sister otherwise they might kill me and take you so that's what I would call a lapse of faith and love I was thinking about this the other day and I thought that must have been some ride back home <laughs> God, rest, God sent plagues on Pharaoh, and uh, he realized this, this is his wife. I've got to let her go. So he gave Abraham and Sarah a bunch of money and cattle and sent them back to Canaan. He said, get out of here. And so uh, in chapter 13, you have Abraham has returned to the land. But it seems like he's not only returned to the land, but he's returned to the Lord. Because you'll notice in chapter 13, it says in verse 3, he journeyed from the Negev as far as Bethel. And uh, the, the word Bethel is a Hebrew word. Beth is house. And El is the shortened form of Elohim or God. So he has come back to Bethel, the house of God. In verse 4, chapter 13, to the place where he made an altar at the first. And there Abraham called on the name of the Lord. So he has returned to the Lord. He has been rescued and restored to his faith and his walk with God. But there's other evidence of Abraham's humility and submission to God. 
there's, a, there's an argument between the herdsmen. He has so many cattle, and Lot, his nephew, has so many cattle, and the herdsmen get into conflict. And so it, it says in verse 8 of chapter 13, Abraham said to Lot, Let there be no strife between us, between your herdsmen and mine, for we are kinsmen. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. And if you take the left hand, I'll go to the right. And if you take the right, I'll go to the left. So Abraham initiates peace. He doesn't want to get in a fuss over stuff, over property. He values relationships above possessions. This is a good sign for a humble man who's returned to God. He's trusting God. Proverbs 17, 14 says, The beginning of strife is like the letting loose of water, like a dam breaking. So quit or stop before the quarrel breaks out. When you feel the uh, rise of indignation, then uh, that's when you put a stop to it, in the beginning. Because you want to avoid strife, that's part of the Abrahamic a descendant, that's Abraham's children. So he says, you take what you decide and I'll take the other. This is where you get our text, verse 10. Lot lifted up his eyes and saw the Jordan Valley was well watered like the garden of the Lord. It looked like paradise here. Notice he lifted up his eyes and saw. Now, what I propose to do today is take a look at the decision-making between Abraham and Lot. How do you make a decision that's going to secure a blessing and, and secure your future and strengthen your family, leave a legacy and a testimony? How do you make it? What, what matters in decision-making? And we're going to say there's three things. One, it matters how you live. Here's what matters. It matters how you live. It matters, second, where you live. Lot chose Sodom. And third, it matters with whom you live. He left Abraham and went to the kings of Sodom. All right, so these are the three things we'll take a look at this morning. First, it matters how you live. Lot lifted up his eyes and he made a decision based on sight. That looks good to me. Abraham, it says, when he left Ur of the Chaldees and came down to the land of Canaan, what was he looking for? Hebrews 11, verse 9 and 10. By faith, he, Abraham, went to live in the land that God had promised. As a foreigner, he lived in tents, looking forward or looking toward a city with firm foundations whose designer and builder was God. Now that's the kind of community that Abraham was looking for. And that was in faith. 
He got down there and the Canaanites were there. They weren't exactly a community of faith. But that's what Abraham was looking for. Lot lifted up his eyes and he saw all this farmland and made his decision based on sight. So how do you live? Do you live by faith or do you live by sight? Do you live by the promises of God or the senses of man? That's the first question. Second question, it matters where you live. Where you live. Genesis 13, 12, Abraham settled in the land of Canaan and Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent to Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked, verse 13. Chapter 13, verse 13. Now the men of Sodom were wicked. They were great sinners against the Lord. But Lot moved his family there. Sodom was a good place to make money, but a bad place to have a family. You have to decide what matters. Sodom was a good place to raise cattle. It was a bad place to raise children. And over the years, I have seen people who decide to relocate usually not to Flint, mostly from Flint. But they seek to relocate and they, what they look at is climate, economy, that's where the jobs are, schools, restaurants, e opportunities, but very few as I've observed, put any time at all in seeing if where they're about to move, there's a gospel preaching, Bible teaching, community of faith that you can invest in and put your family into and feel safe about it. And that's a mistake. Matthew 6.33, seek First, the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Jesus said that. Do we believe that? Now, James 4, verse 13, I think, gives the essence of it. James 4, 13. Listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city and spend a year and carry on business. Will make money, James said. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that thing tomorrow. If it is the Lord's will, that's the thing you look for, not the economy. Not a better paying job, not a, a, a better school, not a better environment. Is it the Lord's will? You don't know what will happen tomorrow. When, when Jan and I moved here to Flint, uh, right after the Civil War, 
um, people said, oh, you don't want to go to Flint. Uh, we were living near Fort Worth, Texas. And they said, oh, you don't want to go to Flint. Uh, nothing's happening there. That's, in fact, a guy who was on the personnel committee that invited me to come, he said, why are you coming here? <laughs> he said, Flint's going to be a ghost town in 10 years. And, and uh, uh, I don't know if he was trying to encourage me to come. I wasn't sure about that. But, but uh, here is the thing we felt. It is the will of God. God is calling us here. And uh, I picked up the paper, the USA Today paper. I remember this. I think it was about the first week we were here. And it had the top ten cities, most violent cities in America. And guess which one was at number one? <laughs> Y'all didn't know Flint's number one. It was the most violent city in America. And I looked at that and I thought, I've brought my little children here. But you know what? Those little children grew up. They married some of the sweetest, godliest people. And the, my son-in-laws, my daughter-in-law, they are just beyond description to me. It just blows me away how my children got them. <laughs> how did Bud find Amber? I do not know. But it's being in the will of God. That is the thing. It's the, there is safety in the will of God. There is blessing in the will of God. So he says, before you go, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will. Look at Genesis chapter 14. It matters where you live. Uh, is it in the will of God or not? Uh, in Genesis 14. This is the next chapter. And it says, in the days of Amraphel, king of Shinar, that's up in Babylon, modern-day Iraq. He gets a group, and, and uh, they, they uh, come together and go down, verse, chapter 14, verse 2. And these kings made war with Bera, king of Sodom, Bersha, king of Gomorrah, Shinab, king of Admah, and the king of Zebulun, and the king of Bela, which is Zoar. Zoar. These kings from the north came down and attacked Sodom and Gomorrah, including Zoar. Well, guess who's, what Zoar is? Up in chapter 13, uh, Lot, it says he made a decision because it was Garden of the Lord stuff and in the direction of Zoar. So now you got these kings coming down. Where do they go to? Sodom, Gomorrah, and Zoar, where, where Lot has cast his lot and in chapter 14 look what happened at the battle uh, verse 8 the king of Sodom the king of Gomorrah king of Admah Zebuim and Bela that is Zoar went out and fought they joined battle but it says in verse 10 it was uh, the area was full of tar pits, 
and, they, and as they fled, some fell in the tar pits. The rest fled to the hill country. Genesis 14, 11. So the enemy took all the possessions of Sodom and Gomorrah, all their provisions, and went their way. They also took Lot, Abram, the son of Abraham's brother, who was dwelling in Sodom. He'd moved from Zoar to Sodom. And they took his possessions and they went their way. Lot lost everything, trying to get everything. See, here is wisdom, dear people. Let God guide you. Do not walk by sight. The heart and the mind of a man of unbelief will take him into a place where he's gullible and vulnerable and susceptible. It is a dangerous place to be no matter how environmentally attractive it is. The will of God, you're safer in a fiery furnace in the will of God than you are in Tampa, Florida out of the will of God. Amen, somebody. And I like Florida. I've often wondered if God would ever call me to Hawaii as a missionary. So far, no. Proverbs 10, 22, the blessing of the Lord brings wealth and does not add trouble with it. So many things we seek and it's fraught with trouble. So guess what? Lot and all his possessions are gone, carried up north. And Abraham, according to chapter 14, verse 14, has to gather his army together. Uh, he's got quite a community of faith there at that, around that altar. And uh, chapter 14, verse 14 says he had 318 soldiers at his command. So that's quite a little village that he's accumulated and so this is the Abrahamic community of faith and they go up and rescue Lot and bring him back safe uh, my point then simply is it matters where you live and by the way matter of compassion when people do not follow that principle like Abraham as a church we are not the policemen we're the ambulance we rescue people we're not here to write a ticket on who's at fault we go in you're hurting we don't ask who's, who's to blame we ask where are you hurting at and we bring deliverance like Abraham and his believing community. Can I get an amen, church? Let's, let's love these people, even though they have made bad decisions. One more thing, what matters, is it matters with whom you live, not only how you live, by faith or sight, where you live. Don't move to Sodom unless it's God's will. You might be led there as a missionary but um, it also matters with 
whom you live. Now Lot, according to Genesis 11:31, was Haran's son. Haran is Abraham's brother. Haran had died. So Abraham took Lot under his wing. So when Lot left the Abrahamic community, he wasn't just leaving blood kin, his uncle. He's leaving the company of believers, the worshiping assembly of Abraham, the man of faith, He's leaving them. There's an altar in the land of promise. There are none in the land of Sodom. And Lot didn't build any. Abraham has his failures, as we know. But you're still safer with the foibles and faults of the Abrahamic community than you are with the wickedness and violence of Sodom and Gomorrah. You think it's bad in the church. Try living in the world for a period of time, dear friend. It gets harsh. Somebody said the church is like Noah's Ark. It may get stinky on occasion, but it's still better than being outside the ark in the flood of judgment. Amen. But Lot was not happy in Sodom. This is a question. Look at 2 Peter 2 verse 7 has an interesting uh, statement about Lot. It says, he rescued Lot, a righteous man. He calls him a righteous man who was distressed or vexed, King James Version, by the filthy lies of the wicked, for that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. Every day he listened to the conversation, he watched the people, he saw the immorality and the perversion and it just wore him out. The word vexed or distressed in 2 Peter 2.7 is the same word used in Acts 7.24 where it says that uh, uh, Israel was oppressed or vexed while they were down in bondage in Egypt under Pharaoh. They were just exhausted with it all. And Lot had just come to the point he couldn't hardly take it. He had no peace. Now this is chapter 13 and 14. Lot has been rescued by Abraham. Now, there's a couple of uh, verses I want to give to you before I leave this idea of matters, uh, where it matters with whom you live. In the Bible, there are some people who are they're just blessed. There's reasons for it. Um, for example, G Genesis 39.5, uh, Joseph, one of the, the great-grandsons of, of Abraham, 
Joseph is sold into slavery down into Egypt, and, and Potiphar buys him, a man named Potiphar. And it says in Genesis 39.5 that Potiphar made him overseer in his house and over all they had because the Lord had blessed the Egyptian's house, Potiphar's house, because of Joseph. He blessed this pagan Egyptian named Potiphar who owned Joseph. And he blessed his house because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in his house and his field. See, now there's somebody you want to be around. The blessed man. I was just uh, reading in uh, Second Kings, First and Second Kings, these past few weeks, and there's a, a king in Israel who's an idolater. His name is Jehoram, and then there's a king in Judah named Jehoshaphat. He he wor- he uh, he worships the true God, and they come together and want to go fight the Moabites. So Jehoshaphat, the good king, says, "We should we should hear from God first." And uh, Elisha, the prophet, he says, let's go ask Elisha, the prophet, what do you say? Should we go fight the Moabites? And here's what uh, Elisha tells them. They, these two kings come, 2 Kings 3.14. Elisha said to these two kings, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, if I did not have regard for Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not look at you or see you. That's kind of a put down. But Elisha says, because you're with a good king, I will hear what you have to say and give you your request. See, blessed because of another. Uh, and Acts 27, 24, Paul is a prisoner in a boat on route to Rome to stand before Caesar. He has 276 men with him. And the ship hits a storm, is about to sink. And the Lord comes to Paul that night and he says, Be encouraged, Paul. You must stand before Caesar and give witness. And God has given you all the men who are with you. See, that's the blessed man. You want to be with Paul if you're going to take a trip on a stormy sea. You're going to be with, you want to want to be with Jehoshaphat if you're going to fight a war. You're going to want to have a Joseph if you're going to plant a field. Find the blessed man and get with him. Be, listen, be humble enough to be under the shadow of the blessed man until you're strong enough to be the blessed man. But be humble enough to say he's blessed. I'm going to stick with him until I find out the secret and the key and the principles by which he lives and then I'll be the blessed man and other people can be blessed under me. And if 
the, to the businessmen, I don't have this in, in the notes, but this Jehoshaphat that I had mentioned, that later on in his life, it says, this is Second Chronicles 20 and verse 35, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, joined with Ahaziah, king of Israel. He's the wicked king. He acted wickedly. He joined him in building ships to go to Tarshish, and they built them. But Eliezer the prophet prophesied against Jehoshaphat and said, Because you joined with Ahaziah, the Lord will destroy what you have made. And the ships were wrecked and not able to leave harbor. Jehoshaphat's the good king, but he joined with this wicked king. And they were going to have a joint venture, a big business together. We'll make a lot of money. And the prophet comes to him and says, Why aren't you joined your business relationships to him? Your ships will sink. It matters who you live with. In your businesses, in your marriages, in your neighborhood. It matters where you move to, who you live with, who you're joined with, who you're committed to, who you're in covenant with. So pray much. Stay close with God's people. In World War II, when the Germans had pretty much conquered uh, many of the surrounding European countries, France being one of them, the Germans moved their military-making machines and factories into these other countries. One was France. And one of the things that they noticed when the French would turn out these trucks and military transportation for the Germans, that they might last 60 miles. Then they'd break down. And they found out that there were saboteurs working in the factories and they would put abrasives in the wheel bearings and the motors uh, uh, to undermine German efforts. Now, in, in one division of, in, of the German army, one division, 90% of its trucks would break down the first 60 miles. Now, see, there's something wrong there. That's the sabotage lie. Have you ever heard anybody say, you know, if I didn't have bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck at all. See, that's not the way God's people are to live. There's something wrong there. Get a clue. And examine your life. And what matters? How am I making decisions? Uh, it matters how I live, by faith or by sight. It matters where I live land of promise or the land of Sodom and it matters with whom I live who am I going to marry who am I going to be in business with who am I going to associate with who am I going to commit to who is going to be committed to me I am uniting myself with someone who is blessed or under judgment before you marry anybody you should look them sit across the table look them in the eye and say are you blessed or are you not? 
One of us needs to be blessed. Where do we begin? Well, dear friends, I bring good news. Ephesians 1.3, we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Come, first of all, to Christ Jesus. There's where all the blessings. God has deposited every spiritual blessing in Christ. Ephesians 1.6, he is the blessed one. He's called the blessed one. In whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins through his blood. There's where we begin to be blessed. So I invite you to Christ. Faith in him. Begin again through Jesus Christ. And, uh, and live a blessed life. Again, Galatians 3.9. Those who are of faith of Abraham, have the same faith, will be blessed with Abraham. Amen. Amen, church. All right, let's pray together. And ushers, if you'll come and let's worship with tithes and offerings. Heavenly Father, bless us this day. Bless us with the faith of Abraham. May we enjoy the life of blessing and give you adequate praise seeing all of these things coming from your hand. We worship you today. God above all gods, king above all kings. No one is like you, our God. We praise you. We worship you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.